welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. As always, I'm Justin, and I'm joined by... Heatwave Beth. Stormy Sam. And I'm Caleb. I'm starting to get worried about you violating fire code over there. What's the capacity Mm, for your unit? I don't think we have any need to worry about that, any of us. (laughs) And any of you, either. Also, Cal's here. That's my dog. Cal, do you want to say hi? No, he just wants to pant. It is also hot over here, and he (laughs) is big and fuzzy. He is so fuzzy. He's, of course, named after the popular uh, weapon, the Kalashnikov. Yes, that is definitely (laughs) the reason, and not anything related to this podcast or books that we may be reading in the semi-near future. I heard he was named after this weird Cosmere character, Calseer. I don't know, it was a strange (laughs) choice to adjust the spelling, Justin, but, you know, I guess keep it copyright safe. Exactly. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. You need to keep your dog (laughs) (laughs) royalty-free. No, he, he is royalty. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. I'm distracted <laughs> by a dog. Uh, and, Rightfully so. Yeah, and uh, we're here for episode six of Elantris, uh, covering chapters 19 through 22. Today we will be aiming for, but not guaranteeing, less 9-11 jokes in this episode. God. <laughs> It would be difficult for there to be more. My fingers are crossed. I just, I, we shouldn't <laughs> promise anything we can't guarantee, but we will be aiming for it. It's important to set goals. So yeah, we are, uh, we're back into uh, the increasing chapter count section. So we got uh, a double Rayodin POV this time around. Uh, and really some, uh, some significant progress on all fronts, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it opens with this big sequence with, you know, describing these big giant towers of this city and knowing that those oh towers God. are, oh, now this is going to be rough. No. This, this is going to be hard, guys. No. Caleb! <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what we do have at the start of this chapter uh, is a flashback, which I think is a first for this book. We had Rayodin ram- reminiscing about the past, but that was in character him thinking about the past. Until we uh, we wake up from this dream sequence, this is a uh, this is a full on flashback here. Yeah, and this is uh, it. Did take me a second to figure out is someone having like a vision of the future because there's specific phrasing um, of uh, the shattered domes had been restored. So this is clearly whoever whatever POV this is, and you know if you're following the pattern, you can tell it's going to be Rayodin. Um, this is him knowing that the domes have been shattered but he is seeing them not shattered so it's i for a second i was like this is there some weird magic happening and he's getting a vision of the city in the future restored is he having like a magical flashback or is he having a normal flashback um and it ends up being the third one but uh yeah it was this this is an interesting way to start um especially because it's um mostly in third person despite the the clear um viewpoint that it usually is um yeah we also get a new aeon which i don't know if you're going to leave in the spider content while you were gone justin uh but it looks almost like a a spider that's like hunched up on its web and all of its legs are kind of curled inwards which is kind of cool Ooh, or two stingrays having sex (laughs) 
I I hate how it actually. Now that I look at it, it looks way more like that actually. Now I'm upset. <laughs> yeah, baby. I just had that thought. I never look at the Aeons because I I just I breeze past graphics. It's a habit. But, but this yeah. one, you decided to add some valuable contribution to the discussion. Valuable here. content, baby. And we appreciate it. Yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting how um, Caleb, like you mentioned, with the uh, the POV weirdness. I mean, we we find out at the end of this sequence that it's um, kind of a it's not really like a fever dream, but it's it's definitely influenced by Rayodin's current state, and so things are probably just a little bit off here and there. On. You know, he, he knows that the domes, yeah, like you said, with the domes that may or may not have already been, been broken or restored. Uh, but then this is an event that happened in the past, but then it turns out to go a different way than it actually did in the past. So, yeah, it's it's very strange. Hasn't, I think we've talked about before, Brandon noting the usefulness of fever dreams as a flashback device. Yes, Does he this has explicitly count because said that. It was a flashback to a fever dream? Because hmm. he's not currently fevered, but he was fevered. But he was. But, yeah. And he also, it is a dream of a fever dream. Because he is, this yes. is him dreaming still. <laughs> so I think it counts. Probably. All right. Wonder All right, book. We'll, yeah, we'll put it on the list. <laughs> and, uh, and the lady who draws over his leg to fix it, puts a little more, it's an Aeon Ian, but with a little more jams. It's a little more jammy doodles. Yeah, in in our flashback here, we get uh, for the first time actually like described on page and not just a character in universe talking about it. Uh, this is Elantris in its full glory, and we see we see Elantrians who are look imposingly magical. Uh, we see the the city itself and all of its wonders. Uh, we there are. Uh, aeons doing powerful things. There's like fast travel teleport aeons that yeah, get very used. Casual uh, uh, lore drop of they can teleport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we see a uh, an aeonic healing, and I really really like the way uh, that this is described. And Rayodin will get into it later with how uh, how he he is trying to kind of rediscover Aeondor. Uh, but the way that you have the the base Aeon of, of Ian for healing, but then all of these kind of modifiers and additions and, and parameters that make it do exactly what it's supposed to do. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I also thought it was very cute. I don't really know how Sion's work yet, but very cute that Ian is the Aeon that healed him, and then that ended up being his Sion as well. Um, some nice uh, connections there. Oh my god, say that to me seven weeks ago, and I feel like I would be... <laughs> <clears throat> I feel like my reaction would be like, oh, so this book is what I think it is. Uh, for the record, I'm enjoying myself. This is a good but, book. Yeah, the thing is, I think this book is what you thought it was. It's just also, like, <laughs> a pretty good story, so you got hooked eventually anyways. It's just also written by Brandon Sanderson, so... <laughs> but it yeah. does not change the fact that his Aeon Ian is also his Sion, yes. <laughs> That's correct. Which has the Aeon in it, the Aeon of Ian in it. 
while we were reading the description of like when you draw the aeon <clears throat> and then you add in stuff the only thought in my head was like well i guess there were two thoughts number one this is taking a really long time and number two, what if you draw a line in the wrong spot and you end up, like, healing his mouth so it's closed or something? Oh, God. <laughs> you get, like, a Matrix situation. I mean, that's probably that's probably the whole science of it, isn't it? Is you have to be very, very precise and very, very practiced with this. Doesn't seem like it'd be very practical in, like, a battle. Like, hang that on, is, let me finish drawing this Aeon. This kill Aeon that's going to take me two minutes to draw. Oh no, I've been stabbed. Damn it. And if I get it wrong, it still does kill, but with totally wrong parameters. Whoops. <laughs> if I get it wrong, it kills me. Oh gosh. <laughs> good thing a battle is a good place to have a steady hand and a clear mind. So yeah, as we get to the end of this scene, it is... I mean, we, we don't know for certain, but it seems like this is actually as it happened in the past up until the very last moment where this healing doesn't seem to work because the pain is still lingering, which then snaps us back to Rayodin in modern day Elantris, where the pain definitely is still lingering. And that's kind of bleeding through into this this recollection of his. And even even Rayodin, even our hero here, who has helped all of his other people kind of try to endure what being an Elantrian does to you, it, it's just starting to get a little rough for him. You know, he he's he hurts all the time, and it's starting to, to affect his head. Yeah, I think I, I like this idea for the character arc. It just, it took me a little bit by surprise, because the past several Raiden chapters have not mentioned his pain pretty much at all. And all those chapters have also been focused on if you if you work hard for a greater cause and you have a purpose and you have hope, then you don't feel the pain as much. Um, and it feels rather sudden for Raiden to finally be like, "I'm I'm bare, I'm I'm on the edge, man. I don't know if I can take this much longer." Because um, we have not really gotten a slow build up to that. I feel like I, I wish this had been sprinkled out a little bit more throughout the past couple chapters. I, I'm getting really tired of the uh, seeking a purpose trope that we keep seeing. <laughs> Uh, also, it's it's just a thing that you put in a children's book or movie. So, this continues to be a zany children's book about a zombie outbreak. But the, but the zombies can become happy as long as they work together. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bother me that much, but I definitely see why it, it, it could get obnoxious. When when Rared and Galadon talking a little bit, oh boy. When we talk about Dor... <laughs> We got to get there. We got some stuff to, to talk about first. But oh my god. Anyway, here we go. Speaking of things happening suddenly without much buildup, we're being attacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, that does happen. We've got uh, a brief moment of looking over how things are going. Uh, Saolin has, has apparently just like stuck himself to Rodin's side as an, an honor guard. Uh, the the planting is is progressing, though goings are slow there. You know, it's it's growing food. Uh, but yes, then there is a uh, a sudden there's like a, a quick time event. You've got to hit the button to <laughs> let uh, to to dodge the uh, the Elantrian attacking you. 
but that's the weird thing is it you're that's a that's a very good description but it's specifically in the middle of a cutscene where you might have put your controller down because it's mm -hmm. just your character wandering around this yeah. peaceful <laughs> arena and then all of a sudden oh shit <laughs> the wendigo <laughs> Uh, Beth and I have established that there are only two valid quick time events in all of gaming, uh, which are <laughs> hugging Leonardo da Vinci and stabbing Kai Lang. <laughs> Both of which, like, I don't know, it's funny because I feel like some QTEs, when they're really important, the game will just pause until you complete it. But you can miss both of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely have reloaded. reloaded a... Yep. Yes. <laughs> significant save to hug leonardo da vinci um i know there's at least one listener who is going to be uh saddened if we don't also mention high-fiving ellie in the last of us which is another very important one and then silent fucking ices the guy he does yeah <laughs> you know we've been we've definitely been making fun of him a bit for his tendency of running up to announce a thing that is already happening uh but Raiden did get him on his side in the first place for his martial ability uh and yeah he sure does you know, draw his sword do a, a bit of actual sword play and uh and stab a guy stab and behead oh yeah, that too this is the first uh like death fight that we've seen in this book i believe i think yeah you're right it's like it's also you know i guess i guess they burned a guy to death last chapter but there's just in general the existential crisis that all elandrians suffer is kind of terrifying but on the whole like i feel like someone in you know eighth grade could read most of this and be like yeah this is chill this is fine and then all of a sudden a guy's head gets chopped off and, mm -hmm. and it's like oh okay all right wow that's <laughs> that's very explicitly violent I feel like an eighth grader could handle that, but like, I feel like it would, it could come as a surprise to someone who for the first 200 pages is like, yeah, most of these people are just, you know, city building and plotting with their politics and stuff. Oh, a guy just got beheaded. Right. And like, they look <laughs> creepy and gross, but like the condition of the Elantrians is a little more, you have to think about it a little bit deeper instead of there just being the, the brutality on the page. But yeah, there's a, there's a combat to the death here. And that does uh, rapidly bring into focus the the kind of question here, which is of the initial power control over Elantris divided among the three gangs, uh, Karata very much on uh, Raiden's side. Anden, effectively, yes. You know, we see later his power has kind of gone away. Uh, but that that works for our purposes. Uh, but Shayor's Shayor's men are definitely still a concerning factor. Uh, in the beginning, they were the the most like outright violent, and uh, apparently, word is getting out that there may be food here with with Raiden's group, and so they're they're attracting the wrong sort of attention now. And it's especially a problem because we find out that a lot of. Uh, you know, Baron Ogden's followers went and joined Shaor right. instead. Right. Which is a detail I very much appreciate because it, you know, last episode we talked how that particular loyalty mission was a little bit quick. So I like the detail of didn't quite work all the way though. Not everyone was immediately like, hell yeah, let's go live in the commune. Yeah. 
but uh, after the attack, we we have to take a moment. Uh, and this is this is not the outright violence of what just occurs, but this is definitely a a, a, a sobering sight, as uh, the the Elantrians who were wounded but not killed. Uh, there's a place that they have to go. Uh, apparently, Raiden has has formed. Uh, I'm I'm assuming this is a. Uh, a term that they have created of calling it the Hall of the Fallen. I don't think that's what it was before. Uh, and this is this is where Elantrians go who don't really have that hope or that control anymore. And it's it's a disturbing place. It is disturbing, but I have to say this is one of those times. This is part of the reason I think I really like Raiden as a protagonist is. A lot of times in stories like this, you just watch the protagonist and you're kind of reading it and you're like, I could probably do that. Like, I, I consider myself a pretty good person. I would try to be as moral as possible in a situation like this. I would try to do the right thing. And before this chapter, I'd had the thought of like, all right, if I were running a commune and one of my people went fully insane and couldn't process anymore and just started like moaning and crying and wailing... I had the thought of, like, I would probably just gather all those people up and send them into one room. Like, I had the same idea as the Hall of the Fallen, but then I had the thought, I would probably just leave them alone, and I would probably just, like, shut them in there and, like, just not deal with that. And I had the added thought of, that that makes it extra horrible for everyone in there, because now they're just in this, like, room of suffering all together, right. listening to ev- each other's screams, and it's just going to, like feel worse and worse and they're going to go more and more insane i had the like the thought process of like that would be one of the most hellish experiences i could ever happen but i don't know if i could handle going in there and like trying to like make life better for them and rayodin does do that and he's like he like has people go in and try to calm them down and and chill them out and apparently it a little bit helps and yeah I don't know. That was a moment where I was like, oh, Raiden is definitively more heroic and optimistic than I would be in this situation. And I thought that was pretty cool. Also cool to me is that we've seen some of these Hoed before because of what they say. Yeah. If that is kind of a, a personal, like, madness mantra that they have. Yeah, we, we definitely have seen some of these before. I don't know. I, I know the beautiful one's so very beautiful and the oh, Domi, where are you? I remember those. Uh, I don't know if I know the life, life, life. I don't know if we've met that person, that Elantrian. But interesting. Good pulls. I hadn't realized we'd seen those before. Was one of them the dude that done got his head hit in? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he wasn't talking. Never mind. Way at the the guy that yeah, Rayodin uh, tried to help, and then he was attacked. I don't know if he was saying much of anything, though. I don't Never know. mind. Ignore me. We always do. Hey. <laughs> Justin actually just mutes my track when he's going through. <laughs> I listen, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> it makes it really difficult when we record in the same room, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm just picturing you you and Beth like sitting next to each other, and then just like every time you talk, you unmute, and then you remute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just staring at the ceiling, gesticulating wildly, never once noticing. We also anyway. see a uh, a slightly different take on the 
uh, finding purpose helps you deal with the pain uh, with Saolin here, who in a morbid way finds purpose in the pain uh, because he did get wounded during this this brief combat and Raoden is worried because he he knows that that's it's going to build up and Salen is is a friend at this point and he doesn't want to to think about what's going to happen to Salen in the future uh but Salen says that the the pain for him is is a reminder of what he's doing for Elantris and for Raoden. So for him it's it's not driving him to the point that it that it is some other other Elantrians yet. I feel like it's a bit much, but I I just I really like Saolin. My man's commits, and I appreciate that. Yeah, he seems very ride or die, which I always appreciate. Gotta get him a proper spyglass though. <laughs> we do, yeah. We just in general, we just need to gear up Sailin more like we got him a sword <laughs> just any time that we can we can get some some sort of equipment gotta send it his way i would really love if like very conveniently there's a chapter where they rescue someone getting thrown through the gates and raiden's like well what did you used to do and he's like well i was a spyglass manufacturer and raiden's <laughs> like we've been looking for just someone with your talents welcome aboard <laughs> thank god <laughs> Salen can see now. <laughs> After the excitement dies down, uh, we do uh, we get a brief recap. I think this was mentioned earlier, uh, but yeah, we we check in with with Tan, uh, who has gone all in on studying the the carvings and sculptings of Elantris, uh, and it says that uh, about thirty percent of Andon's followers are now here with Raoden, uh, and the rest either are on their own in the city or have thrown in with, with Sheor, which is definitely worrying if Sheor's numbers have increased that much. Yeah, Tan, <laughs> if Tan didn't go full on, oh, I remember who I am now, I'm going to completely forget who I was. Or, I remember who I was, I'm going to completely forget who I am, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, uh, you know, you're still a leader. There's still a bunch of people under you. Maybe just say, like, as a just as a parting, like, hey, I'm going with this person. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. That's Shayor. I don't get the draw. It's fun. Fun to be crazy. It's <laughs> Apparently. Be crazy. That's oh, your Carol. tagline. <laughs> so uh before we we have to deal with uh, the shayor problem more it's time for uh, another session of trying to figure out how uh aeon door is supposed to work uh, some of this is uh informed by i don't know if it's informed by or if it was just kind of relevant and so that's why he was dreaming about that but the way that that aeons work and that you build up kind of the entire thing out of these component pieces. I do like the note that uh, the book that Raoden has been studying, the one that definitely was going to have all the answers, is is specifically like a case study of some very strange corner cases of Aeondor. And so if you don't already know a whole bunch about it, it doesn't actually help all that much. Oh my god, can I just go off as a history major? 
Please do. One hundred percent feel for this because when I was like writing papers or anything for anything, um, one of two things just kept happening every time I would find a source. Either one, I would have already read through it, and then banged my head against a wall trying to find something that I read that I want to put in my paper, but I can't find it for the life of me to like cite it. Um, or I would read something in a general work and then I would spend hours looking through specific works and be like, talk about it. <laughs> talk about the thing. <laughs> um, uh, so I feel you, Raiden. I really, really do. Um, Except I guess this is the opposite direction because it's too specific and not general right. enough. Um, but at least he's putting some of the pieces together. That's another thing also. Um, people will be like, there's so much scholarship written about this. It hardly bears mention anymore. And it's like, the last time there was scholarship about it was in 1963 <laughs> by a guy who smoked like Meerschaum pipes. Like, come on. <laughs> it's okay to rehash a little. A little. Uh, I have a relevant middle school story if we want it. No. Yay! <laughs> middle school. It was very dumb in hindsight, but I we had to, we had a research project on the Constitution, and so it was like go into the school's library and read about the Constitution. And so I picked one out that was called the Articles of the Constitution, and I was looking through it, um, and like pretty much like reading through this book in considerable detail and being like, they're they're dealing a lot with the setup. And like what came before in the revolution and kind of like what they were planning before they wrote the constitution and like flipping i start flipping through it faster and faster i'm like they're taking a long time to get to them writing about the constitution <laughs> and i'm getting to like the last few chapters and i'm like this book is barely about the constitution and then i check just out of curiosity i check the gloss to be like how many times they even mentioned the constitution and the answer is on two pages and then i look at the front of the book and i go this is a book about the Articles of Confederation, which is the document that preceded the Constitution and is not the topic of the project that I was doing at all. Oh, blob blob. And it was in like the super fancy font, a font that you can barely read it. So it still looked like Constitution and not Confederation. <laughs> so I don't even feel like it was my fault that much. It was a trick. And in classic middle school fashion, my project partner was no help at all. Oh, of wow. course, of course. Unfortunately, that was not constrained to middle school. <laughs> the partner being of no help specifically. That's true. <laughs> I seem to remember being in a home ec class, and uh, the teacher one day was like, "Hey guys, bring in a cookbook, and we'll do it." And I swear to God, somebody brought in a book by William Powell, which you all may know, and got written <laughs> up for it. I have two guesses as to who that that was who brought that in but I'm not just going to say their names on this podcast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was one of those two. Okay. Wait, beep, beep it out, because now I'm curious. Was it or was it Oh, God, it was Yeah, that was my first guess. 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, anyway, in the book, where we're oh, not... To, yeah. Um... Raiden's trying to figure out the, the very, very basic things from this incredibly advanced niche case study. And one of the things that he's trying to figure out is, uh, what is the door and how do you channel it? And he, he points out, and I like this as a, uh, a linguistic thing, and I can definitely tell that Brandon 
has spent some time uh, at least near Japan or Japanese because he points out that Door doesn't have an Aeon for it. It's it's phonetically transcribed, which I think the the most common place that a lot of people in a lot of English speakers are going to see that is if they're they've if they've also learned any Japanese, where there are three different alphabets, uh, and one of them is solely for uh, phonetically spelling out things like proper names or words from foreign languages that wouldn't have Japanese characters for them. Yeah, it's it's usually foreign words. Um, and then the third language is uh, completely character-based, which is makes it, as, as someone who is not used to character-based languages, um, very difficult to, to for, for that one. But um, yeah, I, I think that's really cool as well. I love a good um, a good linguistic, you know, lore based around linguistics is always very fun to me. Mm-hmm. Me as well. Having taken all of one linguistics class and done a bunch of amateur reading. <laughs> but fortunately, during this study, uh, Galadon is here because he feels like he knows something about what this is this is talking about uh, he's first of all he's the one to point out directly that it it can't be an aeonic word because of the the way that it's constructed but also that if it is the same concept it is something uh from the jesker faith which he knows very well which we are again reminded are not the same thing as the mysteries we still don't know what the mysteries are <laughs> Don't worry about the mysteries. Uh, yeah, speaking of, like, fun linguistics things, I always feel very, like, I always feel kind of proud of myself when I can see a name or a word or, like, a location, and I will know, like, what the language of origin is from that, just based on vibes. And Japanese is, is a pretty, once you get the hang of it, that's a pretty easy one to spot. And I love Galadon saying, well, it can't be Aeonic because it only has one vowel. And Raiden's like, that's way too simplistic. And Galadon's like, but I'm right though, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Lone words, baby. Yep. Uh, yeah, as a comparison, uh, Japanese syllables are either a consonant and a vowel or a consonant, a vowel, and a consonant with a little bit of, of, of wibbliness in there because the concepts don't translate exactly. But that's pretty much the only ways you can make a syllable in Japanese. In English, uh, syllables consist of between zero and three consonants, followed by a vowel, followed by between zero and four consonants. Yep. <laughs> English is stupid. Mm-hmm. There are one and a half exceptions to that Japanese rule. What is the half? So there's one that is spelled as just N. It's just the N sound. Um, and then there is one that's technically typed out as SU, and in some words that is SU, but in other words, it's just the S sound. It's just S. Um, ah. So in, ter- in terms of spelling it out, there's one. In terms of how it sounds, it's one and a half. <laughs> as for English, uh, strengths is a word that is three consonants followed by a vowel followed by three consonants. Incredible. See, all I know is James, while John had had, had had, had had, had had, had had a better effect on the teacher. Yup. That's a great one. Buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. <laughs> buffalo, 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 buffalo. What's the minimum buffaloes for that? Isn't it like five? Minimum, it would be... Minimum, you would only need three. 
Actually, minimum you probably only need two, since it's a noun. That's noun and verb. Right. Uh, yeah. The buffalo, the animal, buffalo, the trick. Correct. Buffalo do buffalo. That's true. Those buffaloing buffaloes. Anyway, door. <laughs> anyway, oh, the shit. door. Oh uh, shit, the door. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so here we learn about uh, the Force, basically. <laughs> yeah. Basically the Force. Uh, I mean, it's, it's you know, we don't know the exact details because it is pretty mystical. Uh, but Galadon's initial explanation of it being in everything but can't be touched and affecting nothing but controls everything, I feel like you could almost substitute in Obi-Wan explaining that the force surrounds us and binds the galaxy together. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, that was Yoda. I'm so sorry. I have to correct that was Yoda that said that. Well, there's a there's a moment in episode four where Obi-Wan's yeah, Obi -Wan explaining, explaining how it to the Luke. Force works. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the specific line of um, uh, Yoda's the one that talks about the rock and the tree we're all binded and connected. Maybe there's just two very similar lines, but Yoda has a very very similar speech, and I feel like I don't know. The force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Okay, binds galaxy together is Obi-Wan. Yoda says something very similar. I'm sorry for getting jumpy <laughs> and then being wrong. Now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, but who says one ring to rule them all? A, cup, a couple guys. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam in his notes has declared this to be nonsense. <laughs> Anyways, I actually feel like this is kind of a weird inverse thing of the Force, which I thought was really, really cool. Because with the Force, it's like the sentient, sapient creatures are the things that can wield it because they're particularly in tune and they know all about it. And Galadon's kind of speech talks about how, like, oh, pretty much all of nature is in tune with it, except humans. They're kind of oblivious to all of this. And that's what sets them apart from everything, is, is they're set apart because they don't really like connect with it in the same way that everything else does. I thought that was really interesting. It does seem like this is this is part uh Galadon's uh beliefs from his religion. Uh it may be part how this world actually works. It's a fantasy book, we don't know. But from a from an earth perspective, the idea of a a a force or some some mystical energy causing water to want to flow it, it's it's a bit of the like but we know how that works it you know <laughs> like we we understand gravity yeah but also like in this world maybe maybe the the door does behave like this we don't know <laughs> apparently both yoda and okay I'm not crazy. I was wrong that Obi-Wan didn't say it, but Yoda <laughs> does say something incredibly similar. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Hey, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it a little bit so <laughs> that it looks different. Yoda would. <laughs> All I know is Han only shoots after, uh, what's his name? goes, McClunky. It's all about <laughs> the McClunky. Yeah. <laughs> Why why did they add that? What George that Lucas add? was George Lucas was looking at the edit and he was like, McClunky is the key to all of this. <laughs> that will bury it. But it's so it is it is nonsense. But I have to keep reminding myself that this is a fantasy book and that God can exist and that nonsense can be a thing. 
Like, I feel like I'm going to the chocolate factory and being like, a, fucking, a, a drink can't make it float to the ceiling. What are you talking about? This is real life. It's a movie, <laughs> Sam. Meanwhile, Willy Wonka's just giving you the bird from the ceiling. <laughs> Do we want to jump into Wonka talk real quick? <laughs> I wasn't no. expecting to, but I think we have to. <laughs> so the trailer for the new Wonka movie, which is probably not going to be very good... Like it's it it has there's the joke about a fine for daydreaming which I think is actually a really like nice whimsical thing and it's also directed by the director of Paddington so and so there's a chance it's good but it's probably not going to be good because it's that's a Wonka origin story none of that is bothersome to me I don't care about any of that what bothers me is that in the trailer when Willy Wonka is young he has developed a product where you eat it and you are lifted off off the ground and you start floating so why the fuck are fizzy lifting drinks still in prototype mode and not released to the public all the way in the original movie? That doesn't make any sense. All right, yeah, I'm on your si- I'm on your side on this one. Maybe maybe what the trailer doesn't show is something going horribly wrong immediately after they all start floating. <laughs> so it still needs more development, even though it does make them float. They all float up to the ceiling, and then they do get in, like uh, completely eviscerated by a giant fan in the ceiling. And- yeah. <laughs> Now he's like, well, I have to keep the ceiling fan for sure. That's that's a deal breaker. I ha- that has it's to stay part there. Part of the magic. So, if I if that ha- if that can't go, then I'm gonna have to work on the product instead before I release it to the public. So, oh shit, the book. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> This is the most at a loss for words I've ever quote seen you <laughs> when it comes to trying to segue back. And we did a 9-11 segment last week. <laughs> but see, that one, no, we, we all preemptively gave up on trying to segue and just said, okay, this conversation's done, back to book now, let's go. Speaking of trying to float around in the sky by using magic. Okay, good enough. Yeah. Rayodin's theory here... and. I feel like there's a bit of a mismatch between like how excited Raiden is about this breakthrough and both me and Galadon reacting to it <laughs> because Raiden has this theory that he thinks must be it, which is that the door was, was the thing that would keep Elantrians alive, would keep them immortal, would give them all those wondrous qualities and it's still kind of barely doing that, but something's not working. And so it is able to sustain them indefinitely, but it's doing a bad job of it and it can't do any of the other things. So that's that's what Raiden thinks is going on now. As someone who has recently played The Witness, I do feel for <laughs> Raiden here, because there's a lot of complicated puzzles in that game. And a lot of times you'll be puzzling with something for like 10 or 15 minutes straight. And you're like, I have no idea what's going on here. And then you'll hit a breakthrough. It is not the breakthrough to solve the puzzle, but you realize one thing about the puzzle and you'll go, oh shit, that makes things way simpler as long as I just focus on doing that and then I can figure out the rest later. And it still takes you another five to ten minutes to actually solve it, but there's like a mini eureka moment that can be very, very exciting, even if you're like, that doesn't actually solve anything, but I think I'm closer now. That's fair. What I really love are those moments in video games where you realize that like the the uh concept of the puzzle mm-hmm. where, uh uh what's that fucking uh scorn scorn oh, okay 
Scorn is really big on this, or it has a lot of these moments where, like, you're looking at a wall of, like, flesh, and it's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what? <laughs> Anything. Um, so, like, Rayodin figuring out that, like, the general gist of rules of the door is an interesting moment here. <laughs> like, he's discovered that there is a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's step one, I guess. He's got to find a way to restore the door. Yeah. Step one, restore the door. Step two, profit? <laughs> Maybe that's step three. There's no question I think mark. step two is a bunch of question marks, yeah. and then step three is profit. <laughs> that's the problem. Step one, we got to get rid of that wall. <laughs> I feel like step one is all the question marks, and step two is restore the door. <laughs> you actually might be right there. Yeah. Uh, there's another uh, interesting uh, thing that I don't think we knew before. Uh, that's a, a realization that uh, that Raiden makes is that there is something that relates Aralon, uh, the the general kind of area, to this power, uh, because uh, only Aralene people are taken by the Shayod. Uh There are there are some some borderline exceptions. There's um, some people from Tiad who both share an ancestry with Aralon, and also it only works if they are currently in Aralon. Uh, and then also, you know, some doulas if they live near the border, to which Galadin says, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> which, that I was amused by. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Raodin is going to hypothesize away, as Galadin says. Uh, and uh, Raodin says, yep, yeah, okay, well, you tell me where your, your, your simple, where in your simple farmer schooling did you learn uh, about things like empirical? And uh, they'll both just kind of leave it at that for now. That is not a tricky word. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's not that tricky, and I do like this exchange, but also in hindsight, the, the line, I don't see much empirical good to it, that's just a weird thing that I don't think humans really say. Yeah, it's a little weird. If you use the word syllogism in a sentence, then I would be like, you're not a fucking farmer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a logic word that I don't even know how to use. You must be a farmer. I'm a farmer, <laughs> damn it. This whole time. <laughs> All right, well, we will get to check back in with Rayodin. Uh, at the end of our chapters for this week. Uh, but from here, we go to chapter 20 and back to Serene. And we we join Serene uh, with another meeting going on of Raoden's former group. And they, uh, Serene's trying to convince them of uh, a new idea, and it's not going well, because the new idea is that we need to financially support King Iodon. And they all go, wait, but we hate that guy. Which is true. <laughs> Aren't we treasoning him against him, though? But, yeah, uh, Serene's opinion and what she's trying to convince them of is that the the bigger issue uh, is Kraithen and the Jordal Empire. And because, as we learned from her, her chat with her father last time, Iodon's merchant fleets have been under attack, which is putting him in a uh, a dicey financial situation. And so if we are on the, the game plan of whatever Fjordel wants, we need to do the opposite, 
then Idon needs to remain financially stable. Yep. <laughs> I find the setting of this uh, meeting pretty funny because they're just outside. It's a nice day. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to go outside. You go outside, talk a little treason. Can we have treason outside? <laughs> There's... I I have some I have thoughts on this chapter. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get started here, or should we? Well, I'm trying to find the further? exact spot, and I can't find it. But it's towards the beginning. There's a point where Serene. Um, oh yeah, it's right at the very beginning. Um, Serene's trying to present this plan, and then she realizes that Royal already knew um, the thing about the merchant ships and everything. And it's like, okay, well, there's another point where Serene's detective work didn't matter at all because the people she's sharing the information with mm. already knew it, which that makes it frustrating because Serene still has contributed almost nothing to this <laughs> big master plan. Um, that's all I have for now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have more later on. I do like, there is a detail where she mentions um, that like standing up while everyone else is sitting down like makes her feel more in charge. And I do like that contrasting with Hraithen gaining mm -hmm. power from sitting down while everyone mm -hmm. else is standing up. I thought that was a really neat uh, parallel. I also related to that uh, because I have a bad hip. And if I sit for too long, it starts to hurt. And so I will often find myself in meetings being the only one or only one of a few who is standing because I need to stretch my leg. <laughs> And here we have, you are the Serene and I'm the Hraithen, where I cannot stand in place for very long, so I will often need to either sit down or at least lean against something. <laughs> or walk around. Pacing is fine, I just can't stand still. This is a pretty railroady chapter, just in general. It's like... It, this feels, as someone who's tried to write his own book, this feels like a chapter Brandon didn't want to write, but knew that he had <laughs> to get all the information on the page. You, you need a Serene chapter for the, the pattern, and you need this info to be out. I can I can kind of see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also thought that moment with Royal was a little weird of like, he's asking her this question and she's so annoyed that it's like, oh, this is giving me a chance to explain. How kind of him. Were you not gonna explain the plan before? <laughs> like, the context is very important for this discussion. She kind of forgot about the merchants. Ah, dang. Makes sense. Well, she does uh, point out later that uh, she is uh, not a merchant and is not all that experienced in making money, which is the relevant problem right now, is we need to somehow fund Iodon uh, and also do it without just, like, giving him money. And and so, uh, yeah, some of, the, uh, some of the more financially successful people here maybe could uh, could use we could we could ask them bake sale <laughs> the best damn talent show this town has ever seen oh yeah we get we had a couple <laughs> suggestions <laughs> we do get another moment that i don't know if i liked but i appreciated which is shuden talking about serene's um playing up how dumb she is and then he goes even if the act was terribly overdone and Serene <laughs> is like, I'm not going to respond to that. And I'm like, good. There's no good response to that. That was a dumb thing. <laughs> and I'm glad you're just you're just taking that on the chin. <laughs> and then I like, uh, just shortly after that, uh, Royal uh, uh, just saying outright that Iodon is incapable of abstract thought. <laughs> like, okay. That's pretty far. 
that's like a base quality of sentience <laughs> like all right yeah that's uh yeah the exact phrase i seriously doubt he's had an abstract thought in his life that's a that's quite a yeah so some ideas that they have other than bake sale or talent show uh yeah outright giving him gifts isn't going to work uh partially because they would need a lot and and partially because uh iodon is both very proud and very calculating uh, at least financially. And so it would be too suspicious to just give him money. Uh, they they consider trying to uh, to frame Fjordan for it, try to actually, like... It, it's weird in that, is it framing if it actually is happening, but also <laughs> you're, like, trying to stage it so that someone notices that it's happening? I don't know, but... Uh, that solution they think will take too long. Uh, you know, things at sea move quite slowly. Uh, there's a uh, a brief tangent where these characters all get distracted by a minor detail of where the hell was Drought Crushed Throat from? And they have no idea. And then Serene tries to wrench them back onto topic. So I, I appreciate her here. And we feel seen. <laughs> I, I, yeah, like... The name Driot Crushthroat is very exciting, but also, what the hell? Why do you guys care about that? What does that fucking matter? The name Driot Crushthroat is very, uh, orcish. It does kind of have that vibe, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's very on the nose. Might be a bit too cool for an orc, though. I was reading Two Towers earlier, and there was an orc named Gorbag in it. <laughs> so, yeah, back to the financial puzzle at question. Uh, Idon. You know, he he suffered a, a pretty major loss with the ships that did sink. It's also uh, the right time to be selling, and so there's not much much time to uh, have an action. Serene uh, does propose that maybe there would be a, a deal that could be made with, with Teod, because she has some influence there, and, and they could strike up a, a, a very profitable deal for Silk. But the the people who have been working with Iodon for longer say that he's going to be too suspicious about that. And if if it seems too good to be true, then he's going to be wary of it and, and not bite. Which, thing number two. <laughs> Earlier it was said, because, it, because of him kind of trying to maintain his power in terms of the richest person gets to stay... They say Iodon will accept things as they appear to be, especially if that lines up with how he likes. But then also, he is very suspicious and won't believe in things that are too good to be true. Those two things don't match up to me. That th those don't seem like the same person they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't know what to tell you there. No <laughs> notes. And then to add on to that, they mention he won't. He'll he'll be suspicious unless he thinks he's cheating you. And I wrote down in my notes. Well, it's a good thing he thinks Serene is an idiot, because this is like the one time where that <laughs> strategy would actually work. And spoiler alert, this is when she chooses to drop the facade. Yeah. I'm not even done with the, what I don't like about the chapter yet, but let's keep going. So, yeah, no no consensus quite yet, uh, but they'll they'll need to find a way to to get some some cash flowing the right direction. Uh, brief check-in with the, the the planting plans, which we agreed were 
kind of silly that this is the only time that that's been proposed, uh, but they are proceeding again. Plants grow slowly. They are proceeding slowly. <laughs> Hooray for sharecropping. Sharecropping to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, first uh, first time that's ever been said. <laughs> and then the, uh, the, the last topic here uh, is Serene's widow's trial. And she intends to involve Elantris with that. Uh, and that makes everyone very uncomfortable. God, instant, fucking instantly, again! Oh, the, hey, you guys gotta help me with my widow's trial, right? Uh, people don't like Elantris. Okay, but the widow's trial, though. <laughs> oh, that? You're speaking about that? <laughs> that. It's... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they do move very quickly back to the actually talking about the widow trial. But I just find it funny that it's like a cue, like <laughs> the widow's trial. Oh, look at look at that bird. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what what Serene is trying to uh, trying to impart here uh, is that this is another round of whatever Hrathen wants. I'm against it. Um, <laughs> where. We, we saw his latest tactic was to uh, link the Elantrians, who everyone is very afraid of, to the, the, the teachings and the people of Shukorath. And so, uh, yeah, as, as Serene says a little bit later, uh, we have to side with Elantris, which is not a popular position. Was that a Groucho Marx reference? It absolutely was. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm against it. Yes. God. Uh, horse feathers, I think. Uh, it was. I. It was the one where he's Professor Quincy Adams Wagstaff. Yes, it was horse feathers. Excellent. That's the one. Anyway, watch every Marx Brothers movie, everybody. They're really good. They're, They're really good. funny. There's some really good ones. Day at the races. It's my vote. <laughs> my favorite is uh, Go West. Hundred percent. I don't know why. It's one of their later ones, I think. It's got some gags in it. It's also got a lot of musical numbers. Anyway, they're all good. Um, it's just nobody publishes them anywhere, which kind of sucks. Solution, uh, know somebody who has a DVD box set. <laughs> or if you still have cable, I believe they're on Turner Classic Movies pretty often. That, that would make sense. Ooh, or you could sail the high seas. Yeah. I was just about to say, go visit Driot Crush yeah. real quick. <laughs> if you can ever find him. <laughs> I think he's in Sporden. <laughs> All I'll say about piracy is uh one time I pirated uh Max Headroom, the series. Is there anybody out there that cares that I pirated fucking Max Headroom? <laughs> the creator of that series probably doesn't even care. They're not making any money off it anymore. You'd probably be grateful to be like, wow, someone wants to consume that content still. Seriously. I kind of do was did you pirate it because you couldn't find it anywhere else? Correct. Okay, I, there's a chance I do the same thing then. <laughs> I, did, I did watch the first episode of it. I was like, that's actually kind of, this is kind of cool. It is. It's pretty good. I don't think it's even on Amazon. Like, as a as a thing you can purchase from the store, Amazon. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit more uptight about piracy than a lot of my friends are. But I do strongly believe that, like, if you really can't find it anywhere else, then, like, 
yes, you are trying to consume the contents. And if you've put in the effort to try and consume it the normal way and it's not working, then sure, go for it. And legally, we're joking about all of this. Of course. <laughs> and we'll throw in an allegedly, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly, supposedly, hypothetically. We're allegedly joking about this. <laughs> Hang on, wait. <laughs> wait, we put it in the wrong place. Damn it. Justin, just awkwardly edit in, allegedly, every time we talk about <laughs> definitely pirating something. <laughs> Perfect. I will definitely do that and not just let it go. Allegedly, you will. <laughs> As established, I never listen, so I trust you. Exactly. Sam allegedly pirated Max Headroom, guys. <laughs> like 15 years ago, let me add. Statute of limitations is passed, allegedly. Allegedly, the statute of limitations is passed. Hey, before we can transition back to the actual review, I'm just going to get into what else I didn't like about this section. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there's, I don't know a lot about merchanting. What's, I, what, it's not mercantilism. That's like a vocab term about like historical significance, but being a merchant. They say never ship what you can't afford to lose. But what you have, it was only valuable because you can sell it. So presumably you can't really afford to lose a lot of it. So are they saying just don't ship a bunch at once? Is that what that phrase means? That line didn't make any sense to me because you kind of have to ship it for it to be profitable in any way. So that was weird to me. There <laughs> might be a good explanation for that of people who know more about how trading and markets work. What I know is bullshit is that <laughs> there is a line in which they mention merchants bankrupt themselves stockpiling this time of year. What the fuck are you talking about? You just said it's the best time to sell. Why would you be stockpiling? You're supposed to be selling it. That's the whole point of selling season. Why would you stockpile shit? That's Good it. question. <laughs> Brandon. But I can tell you, people do bankrupt themselves by stockpiling stuff and failing to sell it. Um, as an accountant. But, uh, but yeah, not in selling season. Yeah. <laughs> Rabbit season. <laughs> Hey, speaking old classic comedies, go watch some of those good old Looney Tunes. They're great. <laughs> All right. Uh, Serene's plan here as... Oh, shit. Gosh, shit. Yeah, as, as she is attempting to convince them of, uh, is that uh, she is going to enter the city of Elantris and distribute food to them. And she's proposing walking into the zombie city. So not a popular one, uh, but also they point out that's super illegal and you're not going to get to do that. And uh, she's now we, we have another plan with some question marks in it where it's, it's going to be step one. I get permission or I ask for permission to go into Elantris and then there Shudan does end up committing to, to go with her. If that happens, I, I get it. A little. Um, uh, I don't. Yeah, you, go too. you go, Caleb. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you would say something. I'm go. I'm with you. Go for no, it. Well, it's just... She's like, yeah, we'll go in. It's probably going to be safe. And I know a whole, like... There's a whole, like... A, a, a subplot about this book is that the people of K don't know a lot about what's happening in Lantris. I understand that. But is is the implication that 
nobody has ever been on the city walls when someone got thrown through the gates because the whole point of like every single time someone enters the gates is they are immediately raided by people and beaten up and have their stuff taken away. It, is no one in K aware that that happens every single time? That seems like insane that nobody knows that. And Serene is very confident it'll be safe when she goes through the gates. That feels wild that that detail has never been brought up to anybody. Well, the ones that we saw, they did wait like 15 seconds. That's true. <laughs> it's the guards got just, bored watching. Guards were just like, you know what? Like you, and yeah, like not even just people watching like from the walls, but even like the guards that shoved them through the gates. Like, you, it, did you hear something, Bob? It seems like they kind <laughs> of like give them a good push in the general direction of the city of Elantris, and then immediately slam the doors and turn the other way and plug their ears <laughs> and like run, yeah, like out of earshot. Um, I do like the idea in terms of a like, hey, if we show people the Lantrians aren't so bad then maybe the city won't fall and everything won't be destroyed. Um, so I'm, I'm on that. It makes sense. It's it's plausible. Uh, but she doesn't know shit about Elantris. Thanks, Ash. <laughs> I, I like, I know it was Ash's job to find out about Elantris, but I like the idea that, like, she would have known about more about Elantris if Ash did nothing, and it's only because Ash tried and failed that she knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we do have uh we have ash here in our next scene and well he no he was doing something here he was he was the lookout yeah uh it's only been three weeks somehow we learn yeah a there's, later. there's a, a lot that's that's happened in uh in three weeks here it is a very different timeline than what we saw with each of our our three mistborn books that <laughs> that took several months to a year or so but yeah at even just three weeks later, uh, Serene is now going to be done with the uh, the playing stupid act in front of Iodon, uh, which is is good in one sense, but I think also, like we mentioned earlier, like maybe it could have actually helped in this particular instance where we were talking about how Iodon wants to think that he's tricking people. So, but yeah, uh, she's going to go uh, just marched right into Iodon's study, says, hey, I'm related to him. I get to go in there uh, and just say, hey, we're going to we're going to talk. We're going to do some business. God. <laughs> and then she decides to give Iodon a fucking heart attack. <laughs> like, everyone knows, father, it's all over the court. They expect him to fall at the next taxing period. Like, what the fuck? And then the best part about that is she doesn't expect a strong reaction. Right, like you, you just you just said that he's going to lose his kingship, and also like, oh, he's paranoid. He's paranoid because people are out for his throne, literally, actually, actively, including until very recently, you. <laughs> like, provably after his throne right now. There was also the energy of this scene is really, I think, very much represented by me scanning page two seventy two. And just out of context, rereading, start decapitating your children, father. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? What is that? And then it was, <laughs> realized he mentioned he, I could have you beheaded. And she was saying, if you do that, people will begin to ask questions. But just 
the five words start decapitating your children father look incredible out of context yeah <laughs> read as a command instead exactly. of an accusation <laughs> but like i still i was still like scanning the page with the knowledge of her bursting through the doors and i was like did did she burst in and like <laughs> and say hey chop their heads demand. off yell that out <laughs> Well, either that or, like, it's just a very strange flex of, like, someone entering a party, like, bursting through doors and going, start decapitating your children, father. <laughs> With a finger snapping a point. <laughs> it's my catchphrase. I do like that immediately follow, like, the, the point of her saying that was a bit of a, uh, you know, checking for a, a bluff here. Because she still does have this suspicion that he was somehow involved in Raiden's disappearance. And so she throws that out there and is like, is that going to get a reaction? And it doesn't. <laughs> he's he's like, he's mad about other things. He's busy. And I really do like that she set up like this. The Elantris thing was intended to be an outrageous thing that was, well, you know, it had its own real intentions. But like, as a hey, this deal sounds way too good to be true for you. So here, here's something that's incredibly ridiculous that is low stakes, kind of, sort of, but is enough to distract you and make you think that I'm getting hosed. Yeah, no, that does uh, that does end up working out. Kind of get They get to line things up there. Yeah. So yeah, with this, uh, what we have here is Serene is proposing... A, a mercantile deal with uh, with Tiad, which keeps Idon uh, financially solvent and on the throne. In I guess exchange, she gets to go into Elantris. You know, good for her <laughs> for two hours a day, no more than ten people. Yeah, that I definitely get the impression that Idon uh, wanted to to flex some control a bit there. And I, I think it's a good character beat for him. Put a curfew on it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> sure, you get this crazy, ridiculous demand that I don't even see the point in. But even so, I'm going to add conditions to it because I'm the king. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And a cartoon character. Because he grinds his teeth so loudly that you can hear it. That's not good for your teeth. Get any dental say, work. Poor jaw. Get any very expensive <laughs> dental work. And he's running out of money. Yeah. Oh no. My silks. <laughs> so yeah, following that, uh, Idon uh, is put into contact with Evanteo to actually uh, do the deal. I do actually think, like, I kind of like this part of it where Evanteo is not a businessman has people to do that which is a, a way that you can rule that's perfectly fine uh, but like this this now iodon is kind of in his element and gets to do his thing of i get to make a, a screaming deal here because Evanteo doesn't have that experience <laughs> wrapping up the chapter we have a couple of scenes that take place almost entirely in uh, serene's personal quarters Starting with, I think this is an interesting one too. We we get some uh, some insight into how Serene has been interacting with uh, the the people of the palace uh, because her room is dirty, 
which uh, Sam has. Uh, what what is the actual name of that emoji? Do you know? Uh, let me right click it. They all have names. It's one of the very angry faces because clearly this is just uncalled for. That Serene's room is messy. Is it rage? Enraged face. There you go. Wow. <laughs> just absolutely cannot stand for this. Wait, it's called pouting. Emoji guide says it's called pouting face. That's not pouting. pouting. No. No. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but the 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 upshot of this is normally there. You know, there's there's staff in the palace who are responsible for keeping the rooms clean. Uh, and Ash says that uh, Serene ignores what the servants think, uh, and she objects to this characterization and and ash explains that it's it's not that you're unkind to them or that you have any you know particular ill will towards them uh you just ignore them which i i think is an interesting take and a, a reminder that serene is royalty and has has grown up in probably very specific circumstances and is corroborated by the narrative arc of this book so far that too i was gonna say i feel like i like i do also like this little reminder i feel like it would be more effective if we had a singular i guess galadon is our best example of like an important character who is not royal or otherwise extremely high up in the hierarchy of choice are you saying miala is not a very important character she's almost memorable (laughs) she does appear for a grand total of a half a page and uh she's not gonna show up again i'm sorry <laughs> but she talks she does speaks bechdel test we so past bechdel test guys because <laughs> they're talking about how shitty the rest of the maid service is <laughs> i mean that's one way of putting it but it is maybe a little bit suspicious that all of these maids are running away yeah it's a little weird so yeah we'll uh we'll see if if that uh comes up again though miala won't i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, and then right at the the end of the chapter here we have a uh our, our second recurrence of the weird noises in the night uh and this time uh serene has uh, you know this is the second time this has happened so it's not just the wind go back to bed there's something going on here and uh although given the the chart that she's been making this is not the second time this is the sixth time or something or third time it It says yeah it can't be a pattern because you've heard it three times on days with nonsense silly world names that i'm not even going to write down yeah, it was. It would be really, really dumb of anyone to ever come up with fake day names for days of the week in the world they're building. I would Made never. Dull. I would never, ever have and ever done that. Do you think "doll" means day? Like in I think it probably Ionic? does. Oh my goodness! Mayday. That's crazy. I love how much of a bitch Ashy is in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Like, legitimately, I think I really like their relationship. Like, we had a a quick exchange we skipped over earlier where Serene is voicing her insecurities and he's reassuring her. 
And then I think it is deeply funny to immediately contrast it with, oh my God, go to sleep. <laughs> He's a, an, an energy orb. Does he sleep? Yeah, yeah, he says he does. <laughs> That's what I was about to bring up is I still don't know how Sion's work because they live for a long, long time, but they have like, they're not computers. They have like a memory that can get worse over time because Ash at one point says my memory isn't what it used to be. And also he, like it said, I thought Sian's were supposed to have excellent auditory senses, not when we're sleeping. So I guess this little orb does have to sleep. <laughs> at least it wants to try to sleep. Mm. Now me, myself, I thought it was interesting that we were talking about the secret passage because, because, um, you know, this is obviously about, well, maybe not obviously, but presumably the secret passage that uh, Karata and Rayodin walked down um, to get to Karata's child. Uh, and secret passages have walls, and on the other side of those walls are not secret places. So I thought that was... <laughs> it, it's interesting, because so often you'll be like, let's go down this secret passage, and you'll never ever see the perspective of someone like, what the fuck? What's in my walls? Yeah. <laughs> Until here. Because you, you can hear it when somebody's walking down a secret passage. Yeah, she even like br brings up something that is also not brought up with secret passages very much, which is, why is the wall like this? It shouldn't be sloping. My window shouldn't be sloping upwards like that. <laughs> it, it almost makes more sense to assume there's a secret passage here because the building just shouldn't be designed like this unless there's something on the <laughs> other side of this. If you've ever tried to... Uh, replicate a a building from real life or from some other video game or something in Minecraft, this happens all the time because <laughs> everything is one meter thick. And so if you want to have like a hallway or, or you know, God forbid, a secret passage, everything ends up weirdly proportioned. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Why is this wall three meters thick? So... <laughs> Yeah, I I sympathize with the designers here, but also Serene has has successfully pulled this particular thread, and uh, ha has found like we mentioned earlier, she has found that part of the puzzle exists. She now knows that the puzzle involves secret passages, and can actually investigate that line further. Uh, but for now, it's time to sleep, and again, it's it's these two. Ash having just complained about her waking up and doing science in the middle of the night. Now she's going, can you, can you dim it down a bit? I'm trying to sleep here. <laughs> yeah. Serene gets to be a bitch too, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. It's equality. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that brings us to the end of our, our single Serene chapter here. And we will see uh, once or twice more. Hang on twice more in our next section where where this leads and if we get more secret passage investigation or finance one of the two finance it's probably going to be finance it's probably going to be cost drivers variable costs spot the person who just took an exam <laughs> yeah do you think that uh do you think iodon does activity based costing or is it more like uh, absorption he's probably an absorption guy oh my god how gauche <laughs> you're distorting your costs iodon what a uh, fucker how could what he? a fucker <laughs> let's talk about hraithan 
<laughs> sure, let's talk about Hraithan. Yeah, chapter 21. He's having a bad day. <laughs> he is having a bad day. But it's okay, it's about to get better. Oh no, it got worse. Oh no. Uh-huh. Uh, Hraithan has... He was kind of trying to delude himself into delaying this realization, but he has now decided that deal-off is a bad thing to to be involved here and is uh is trying to to solve the deal-off problem uh he he starts by trying to um just do some uh, kind of bookkeeping with with the church uh he is going to be appointing uh therid uh as uh the the head artef here uh, and Therid turns it down, which is is suspicious. He's Therid, but is he wearing Therid armor they all wear? <laughs> I don't think he is yet. I also like kept reading that name, and I was like, the red. The red what? <laughs> so, yeah, that it doesn't go well to start off. Uh, the next step is uh, deal with with Diloph. Uh and. Hraithan still doesn't quite admit that, like, it's gone too far. What he says is that it's it's possible to to use this kind of passion and and zealotry, but that he personally does not have the time or energy to do that directing, and so just needs to put the stop to this. So he reaches in his desk drawer and draws out a gun. I mean, a letter. A letter. <laughs> Yeah, Hraithan really is one for the uh, dramatically revealed letters, isn't he? I was going to say, what if he actually has two letters? And depending on what Diloph does, depends on which letter he gets. Uh, but as it turns out, it does not happen at all. Uh, because uh, Hraithan is, is, is saying, uh, I have this very important uh, piece of information needs to get to Wern directly. Uh, and you, as a, a highly ranking... Artef, uh, you need to personally deliver it to him and also get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck out. And you have to do it because you're my Odiv, and Odivs never do anything counter to their Hrodens. Just like indentured servants never flee. Yeah. Never uh, never gonna have any problems with that, are we? Never. But Diloph gets uh, gets this twisted back around on, on Hraithen because... Uh, as a uh, a reasonably ranking member of the priesthood, uh, Diloph can also swear Odivs beneath him, uh, and he has done so to uh, some 30 people and says, well, if I'm traveling all the way to Fjordan, that's a very dangerous trip. I need to take some support so that we can we can make sure that this this letter gets to Wern. So we're all going. Oh, fuck. Can 30 people even fit on like a... I mean, they can fit on like a <laughs> ship, right? I, I understand that. But like, I pictured the landing ship that um, Kraythan arrived at or with as being mm -hmm. like a sloop. Can 30 people fit on a sloop? You can get multiple sloops. Sloop. You'd need to. Ah, shit, our sloop's not big enough. <laughs> As you know, as as much as we have been 
of anybody in this book, I think it's pretty clear that we're meant to uh, be opposed to what Diloph is doing. Uh, But I do have to give him credit for the play here. It was was well maneuvered. yeah. Yeah, this whole, like, the power struggle between these two is interesting enough, but with the added layer that they can't, they have to play the game of being on the same side. Otherwise, like, the outside folks will see how much internal conflict there is and that's not good it's delicious i love it we can't let the people know that the girls are fighting yeah <laughs> so yeah uh Freithen has to to bail on that plan uh and is somewhat uh i think both of them know that uh that Diloph won this bout and it's it's definitely not pleasant for Freithen to to have to go back and say well, no, we can we can send somebody else. You have business that's important to do here. Never mind on that whole thing. And then Craythen uh, goes back towards the the wall of Elantris, and the paragraph heading describes this as him fleeing, which I think is really fascinating. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very telling. I think because he has been going up here to to think and and pace and whatnot quite frequently. But uh, at least in this instance right here, it's because he just lost. And on the way there, we run into uh, an old man, a, uh, a beggar against the, uh, the wall of the city. And this is, is it the Hoyd? F- You're legally required to tell me if it's Hoyd. <laughs> I mean, do you want me to answer that question? I know it's probably not Hoyd. It's not Hoyd. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a son. I feel like Hoyd probably. Hoyd either has no children or like 70 children. And I need I need to learn more about him before I figure out which one it is. One of those options is really funny. I won't tell you which one. We are all Hoyd's children. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is this is the first beggar that Hraithen has seen. It's the first one we've seen. Uh, apparently uh, begging is uh, forbidden in the city. And because it it looks bad for the city, and and so most of the the people in this country who would be in that position have been either sent out to the farms or have gone out there themselves because they don't want to to get in trouble. But this man here is is risking it because he needs to eat. So Hraithen learns this information, uh, learns about about this man who was a was a carpenter. Uh, was was sent to a farm didn't work very well and uh yeah is is in a rough situation and Hraithen is going to uh provide for him here quite generously uh he provides some some coins for this man here uh and then a second one to distribute to some of the other people who need it and for the boys yeah the uh, the others <laughs> which i i it could be Brandon is just skipping over Hraithen putting coins into bags, but it's very funny to me that Hraithen's just walking around and he hears this and he goes, all right, well, I have one bag full of, I think, a good amount of coins for this one guy. And then I also have a separate bag that already has a good amount of coins <laughs> mm-hmm. for everyone else. He just mm-hmm. has these preloaded bags that he can drop on anyone. Literally, he's money bags. <laughs> Mr. Monopoly out here. Yeah. In, <laughs> in, in Bloodred armor. Bloodred armor. That'd be a very st- strange vibe for Mr. Monopoly. 
<laughs> is his name? No, his name is his name Mr. Moneybags. It's not. No, Monopoly. it's Mr. Monopoly. I think it's. Oh, okay. There's there's also Uncle Pennybags, but that's a different character. I think. Uncle Pennybags. That what is that from? Because that I know that does sound familiar to me. It's okay. No, no, that is Mr. Monopoly. Oh, okay. They, they are the same. Okay. It is Uncle Moneybags. Milburn Pennybags. Nice. <laughs> him and his top hat and his monocle just kidding he doesn't have a monocle you just got berenstain bears you're thinking of mr peanut correct <laughs> um oh and another thing uh the pringles mascot he's also got a really silly name doesn't he, Does uh, he? the name of the pringles mascot is julius pringles um, <laughs> julius <laughs> That's pretty silly. But does he have a monocle? I don't think so. I think no. he just has the no, giant mustache. Just the mustache. I'm confident he does not. Yeah. He just has the Okay, thank God. But Germa had a there was a moment on a Germa stream where he went a little unhinged about <laughs> the Pringles mascot. I was I there just a little little side tangent about Mr. Peanut. Um I am proud of myself for understanding the marketing team at, at the, at the Mr. Peanut company, whatever planters is it planters. Um, and so I, I made a prediction and it came true in the most horrifying way because they killed off Mr. Peanut. Right. And then that was like a month before the Super Bowl, And I make my little bingo cards for events like the Oscars and the Super Bowls, And I put on my bingo card, there will be a commercial where Mr. Peanut comes back to life. And I was very proud that I was correct. However, that unfortunately came correct in the form of Baby Nut. That's when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Monkey's paw curls. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is fun? Uh, uh, planters used to have a slogan that was, everybody loves to nut. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, shit, the book. <laughs> the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh Hraithan yeah. is having an existential crisis. Hraithan is having a a deep crisis of faith up here on the walls uh with uh with Father Omen again. I really like this scene. This I did not realize I wanted this interaction, but I think this might be my favorite scene in the whole book so far. It's so good. Sam, you're now obligated to hate it now that the three of us have have <laughs> Yeah. vocally expressed our preference for it well for no the, listen for the sake I, of podcast dynamics we gotta have there's gotta be disagreement <laughs> somewhere in here the girls must fight this is this is uh this chapter was great uh and then jerry norcia and dte energy happened so uh, that's fair uh this oh right yeah be, uh, behind the uh the the curtains of of podcast recording mechanics uh, this recording almost did not happen because Sam was without power for like twelve hours today. Uh huh. So, yeah. And they refused to admit that you were in fact without power. He did. Oh my god. I don't know if this is really to fluff up their stats or whatever, but apparently when a substation explodes, uh, they don't record it as a power outage. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's like when a substation explodes, it's like, it's fine. You know what? If we counted everybody whose power was out, we'd never stop. So just everybody's fine. It's all fine. 
when we fix it, everybody will be still the same amount of fun. I hate you, DT. I have a very, I have a very dark tangent that that reminds me of. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. It's not 9-11. Um, in Disney World, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, there have been points where um, people have been having medical emergencies on Disney World, and they call in an ambulance to escort them off the premises as soon as possible solely that so it can say no one's died in disney world yep mm -hmm. same principle to wrap up your tangent and then get us back to this existential crisis here uh the mechanics of disney world are just fascinating in so many respects it is an incredibly highly engineered place that is designed for like family fun and nostalgic joy which is a weird contrast and i think it's super cool it is they have a weird amount of rights which for a long time I, like they're practically their own country to an extent and for a long time i was like that's weird i hate that i don't want a mega corporation to be like that and then ron DeSantis <laughs> came after them and i was like okay well now i'm on disney's side i guess all right you go disney build those nukes <laughs> so yeah uh Crathen. He feels as powerless as Sam was this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Fully powerless. Yeah, we we were introduced to him from a a very religious context. He was here to convert the the people of Aralon. We've seen how he has expressed his faith uh, and how it's it's different than the way that say Diloph does. Uh, but Omen kind of cuts right to the chase here and says, what happened to your faith? When did you lose it? Because I've seen you preach and it's not, it doesn't feel like you believe it. It feels like you're just doing this because it's a task that you have to do. And we've seen some of that from Hraithan's point of view. I think at least early on, it at least it felt to me like Hraithan was this was something he believed in. This was just the specific method that he expressed it with was with these very carefully crafted sermons. But the way that Omen sees it is, I, I don't think that, that this means what it what it used to to you anymore, which is a, a, a very interesting call out. And I think Omen was the right person to do it. Oh yeah. When you turn religion into a means to an end, you're not really believing anymore. You're just using it. Because <laughs> that's what it is to him. It's like, let's make them hate Elantrians because that will help us take over the country. But it's an interesting question. Doesn't really improve Hraithan's day, though. <laughs> it doesn't, but I just, I love this idea that Hraithan is so obsessed with still, like, winning this, winning this war and, and taking over the country that he doesn't even, like, really grasp what omen is getting at until omen's pretty much oh, like leaving he keeps being like yeah my religion's gonna beat yours up and omen's just <laughs> like i don't really care i'm just worried about you man yeah. yeah yeah i think the the ending few lines of this chapter especially of like omen asks this question and probably kind of throws hraithan's world upside down and then just walks away quote as if he had forgotten hraithan were there Grathen stood on the wall for a long time that night. It's so good. Yeah. It's so it's evocative. It's so good. It's so great. But it also, like, fits with what we know of Omen, who literally does mm -hmm. do that sometimes. So, right. like, there's, yes. a, there's a chance that's literally what happened. But mm -hmm. the idea of just, like, 
him dropping that bomb and then just leaving him with it to think on is it's just it's so good and it tees up a wraith and face turn baby wraith <laughs> redemption incoming baby <laughs> i kind of want to go back to some of the earlier episodes because way back from the from our episode zero where we were looking at the cover with who we assumed was Hraithan and Serene standing there next to each other, the the possibility of, as you say, the Hraith Demption has been on the table pretty early on, but it took a while for it to actually become a thing that there was textual evidence for it maybe happening in, instead of us just saying, hey, this would be cool if it did. So I, I kind of I want to go back and see like where that where that turned. I remember I, I didn't get like fully on board with it until last episode, but I remember very early on having the thought of like, I guess Raythans are villain. And then I stopped myself and I was like, I shouldn't say that. It's a little soon to assume that that's what it's going to be because he's clearly a very complex character. And also the front of the book is there. Um <laughs> So I, I remember the the whole time I have been curious if we will be getting Great Demption, but I didn't start believing in it until last episode. I think it was episode two for my notes. Um, I wrote, given that Hraithan and Serene are on the cover and not in the act of killing each other, I imagine one of them is going to switch sides. So, But there was no evidence back in episode two, right. chapters five through eight, at all. Yeah. I, I remember, and this might still be what it is, and we're getting, it's a little too soon for theories section uh, of the episode, but um, I remember thinking, like, look at the cover and being like, okay, maybe they have to form an alliance out of necessity, but they still hate each other. And there's, I, I feel like that's still probably going to happen, but it will eventually devolve into Hraithan actually becomes a good person. Fingers crossed, because I think that'd be cool. And it's a very interesting one-two punch, this chapter, of this this scene, that, which seems to be the most direct tease of Hraith Demption. That's hard to say. Uh, but like three pages earlier, he gave a bunch of money to some homeless folks, which is just like a good guy TM act, even if he got weird about Jadith right after. Yeah, and that's that was... I, I forgot I was going to bring that up, because I think... From from the ways that we've seen Hraithan act, it's possible that he did that as a kind of visible act of charity, knowing full well, you know, this will get more people interested in in Shudareth. Like this is a this is a move in this game that we have. But we also saw from the very beginning that like the reason he came here was not to um what like not for the conquering it was because he wanted to save the souls of the people of Aralon and so i think it's also possible that he was trying to help someone in need yeah it's a, it's a juicy character we've got here it is and 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 we're going to have to leave him there on the wall taking like i i want to see this in the very very hypothetical Elantris movie I don't think anyone's ever like specifically talked about Elantris but I want to see this of just how long could you make this shot linger to get the impact without it being weird (laughs) yeah that's that's a cool thought yeah 
So uh, we're back to our more than three chapters. So we do get one more uh, Rayodin segment to wrap this up uh, and one more Aeon then. And this one is like a cool double eye thing. It's a cylinder. It is also just a cylinder. This is a cylinder, huh? (laughs) Master cylinder. Uh, And we immediately begin the the chapter with Raiden almost getting attacked again. So good start. (laughs) And this one, it feels like the early stages of Until Dawn because he fails the quick save. He falls over, but he still doesn't get hit. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't get hit because he fell over and probably like hurt his knee on the ground. And then Galadon just like fucking smashes this guy's head in. <laughs> but yeah, here's uh here's Raiden and Galadon's theory on why anyone joins Sheor is uh maybe if you just give up on humanity, then the rest of it's not so bad. He who makes a beast of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. Avenge sevenfold, baby. I know. <laughs> is, is that? Are they quoting something else? Because I know that's the beginning of Bat Country, but it 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 was read in the cadence of them quoting something else. It was. Uh, genius, Bat Country. He who makes a beast of himself. This quote appeared in the preface of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, that would make sense for that country. That just reminds me of the quote, mankind knew they cannot change society, so instead of reflecting on themselves, they blamed the beasts. Which may sound like a profound quote from some novel. Is this one of these, like, it's from a piece of fan fiction or something? (laughs) No, it's from a legit thing. What it's from is the fighting game Guilty Gear. Okay, yeah. The the announcer just says that before matches. Like, that's just one of the things they do to introduce the match. Like, it will just be that long sentence and then, fight! It's <laughs> like a Spec Ops The Line loading screen quote. No. From what I know about Guilty Gear, that tracks, though. Like, that game yeah. is, is just batshit. It's dripping in style and dripping in wackiness, and I love that for it. So how are uh, Galadon and Raiden doing here? What they're oh, doing, shit, the what heist. they're doing is is they're sneaking, which means they haven't brought sail in. Yes, <laughs> I see them, Raiden. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to run forward, and then he runs forward. Twenty seconds later, he runs back. They're coming after me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, it's time for. Uh, loyalty mission three because we've been talking a lot about uh, Sheor's men and have not mentioned Sheor themselves. so let's let's go figure out what's going on uh, they have found uh, they, they've gone into this kind of section of the city uh, Galadon points out the Elantrian bank which it's a big bustling city where a lot of trade happens they needed a bank uh, but it is now a highly fortified building that would be a good place to to make a stand in, and so that's where Sheor has been uh, has been staying. Uh, it does depend what you mean by fortified, though, because for Andin at least, it mentions that they were like peeking through a broken window. They just walk in the fucking front door, and there's no guards or anything. <laughs> well, I think that is uh, probably caused by uh, a thing that we have not mentioned yet, despite this reading being part of the chapter. 
Uh, Shayor is a young girl. That's true. That that would affect the strategy behind mm-hmm. how to guard the home base, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, here's your third warlord of Elantris. It's a little girl. It's Tiny Tina. Which, oh yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah, is uh, honestly the most terrifying thing because I don't know if there's any reasoning with a little kid who is in power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? She wants food. That's the only the only thing going on here. You get karata. Oh shit. <laughs> Whoa, a mother be upon ye. <laughs> I would love it if the solution to this is just bring karata in and karata just gives her a very stern talking to and that fixes the problem. <laughs> I kinda love that as a possibility though. God damn, now I want to write that down. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm also writing something similar down. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rayodin and Galadon rapidly implement uh, what I I, th- I would call it plan A, but it's usually the only plan, which is run for it. Uh, and, and Galadon is officially annoyed at having to run for it all the time. With the, with the great line, if you weren't dead already, I'd kill you. At least this time, it's because they got spotted, and it's not just Rayodin refusing to tell Galadon, hey, we're going to be running here in a second. Yeah. Yeah, that's progress. Yeah. And Rayodin nods after. He's like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, you should. But it's not just any little girl. Who's the little girl? Yeah, no, that's the other interesting thing. This is uh, Duke Tellry's daughter. Ah, shit. Seems kind of hypocritical, but okay. I mean, not not on this end of the transaction, but on the other end of the transaction. <laughs> Stupid girl being in charge, choosing to be an Elantrian. To become an Elantrian, yeah. What an idiot. But yeah, this. Uh, it's not like this was a simple situation before, but it's become quite a bit more complicated. But uh, yeah, there and so there's nothing that uh, Galadon and Raiden can really do right now. They've just got to head back to the camp. And this, uh, you know, they they got out of it physically okay, uh, but this is hitting Raiden pretty hard because, you know, we we've we've joked about these being loyalty missions, but it it has been kind of his procedure. I think once he realized that it was going to be possible at all to get everyone on his side, and he's kind of at a loss here. Of of what do you do? to try to get Shaor on your side and all of her rampaging beasts of people. And it's it's a, a kind of a personal failing if he can't figure out how to do that. But then that kind of cascades down to everyone following him if he can't still be kind of the, the perfect leader that they need. We're going to go from there, though, to a, uh, a brief uh, another bit of of thinking about uh, the door and the way that Elantris works because as uh, as Raiden has been thinking and standing here on the wall uh, he has just like grabbed the the wall and crumbled it to dust which this is supposed to be fine marble and he's just crushed it in his hand and so Raiden's the, the theory that that he works down to is that the door used to be kind of infusing the whole city which is how it was kept so pristine and so perfect 
and now that it's gone it's the stone has kind of been emptied out and it's left this kind of hollow crumbling thing which i think it's a cool image at least yeah it's an interesting kind of thought of how the door works and what happens when it's taken away and then as the the very last bit of our chapter we have one of our most significant uh, meeting points of our three plot lines here because uh, Rayodin has been quite obviously by the giant walls very separate from the other two and when we do see them it's you know somebody hearing about him sneaking into the palace or someone seeing him from atop the wall or him seeing someone else uh, but here is Serene in the city of Elantris doing what she said she was going to do distributing food and this is a very bad thing for one of our other main characters and I think that's really <laughs> cool probably for two of our other main characters <laughs> um yeah, the, well, it's it's a weird intro because Ray, Maresh walks up and Raiden goes, what is it? Is it another attack? And Maresh goes, no, we're being invaded. An invasion is part of an attack. Like, that's a kind of attack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that it wasn't Saolin, so they actually got advance warning this time. That's <laughs> true. Saolin runs up and is like, we're being invaded. And Serene is directly behind him going, hello, what's your name? Here's some food. <laughs> So yeah, uh, this is this is the first time that Raiden has ever seen Serene in person, uh, and so he is briefly distracted by a hang on, that's actually my wife, and B, <laughs> wow, she's really pretty. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she is is here to distribute food to the people of Elantris, uh, like we we saw in her plan and for someone who is is trying to uh keep some control on the the people of elantris partially by being able to feed them uh Raiden immediately identifies this is a very bad idea or it, it, this is a very bad circumstance for him at least there's also the like a weird aspect. It could be that he just doesn't want he either doesn't want to tell Galadon or just doesn't want to get into the details of it. But like, this is his dangerous knights crew. Like he should see Royale and Shuden and be like, "Hey, those are th this is the group of people that I was like planning potential treason with," because that was mentioned early on. And instead, he's just like, "Oh, it's some of Aralon's most influential nobles." Like we. <laughs> Can you can you not put two two together that they are working on like a very specific plan that is probably tied to you? I don't know. It was it was weird that he never like thought about the reason why these specific nobles are all in one place. Yeah, no, that's a good point because uh yeah, who does he ID ID here? Uh he's got uh Shuden, uh Ahan and Ian. Galadon IDs Shuden actually. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Which is he claims it's because there's because of more farming stuff, but still a little little strange that he recognizes him on site. But yeah, Royal's there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is basically the whole. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I don't think except anyone's missing. Yeah, no, except for Keen. And uh, Lukath technically is part of the crew as well. Yeah, even though he doesn't remember Lukath's uh, wife's name. 
He just didn't have time to spend much time with her. No, couldn't couldn't yeah, be helped. You know, sometimes sometimes people are just wives. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. I should go through the copper mind because there there is a whole care there is a whole uh, category for uh, people who don't have names, who we only know by a reference to someone else, and I should just like tally them up to see what uh, what the the trends are there. Yeah, characters who have no canonical name. Uh, which also includes people who get nicknamed by someone else, but we never actually learn their real name. <laughs> I technically, I guess we don't probably don't know Slow Swift's real name, right? Because that's explicitly a nickname. I think so, yeah. But you have like uh, the Inspector is one of the characters here. Nice. Uh, the Tukari Leader, both Vin's mother and Vin's sister. Krathen's Sion, who he specifically never addresses by name. True. <laughs> so, yeah. Category <laughs> unnamed characters. Thank you, Coppermind. Wow. Um, not to stall us further, but I just said Luketh twice now. You I meant sure Lukel. I have no idea why I keep wanting to say Luketh. <laughs> I just Googled it. I don't think that's a character in anything. So it's not like I'm mixing that up with someone else. But this is not the first time it's happened. I've just lucked out so far on remembering that it's Luke Hell. There have been multiple points where my brain has told me Luke Heth, and I don't know why. I find Luke... that extra funny because you were mocking Rayodin for not remembering mm -hmm. his wife's name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't I didn't spend years with the guy. He's not my best friend. <laughs> Luketh Luke the Artel. <laughs> God damn it. No, I'm the with you. The 24th character. There, there's a lot of, like, weird... I, I've gone off on how many fucking words there are in this book. <laughs> so... I, I And I'm shocked that I usually can keep track of the difference between Ehan and Ahan, who are two separate characters <laughs> mm -hmm. on two opposing sides of this conflict. But yeah, the uh, the last bit of this scene here... Uh, which sets up some some interesting uh, interactions that we're not going to get to see because the uh, the because of the chapter break. Uh, Serene would like to uh, speak to Andon, Karada, and Sheor, and uh, not speaking to Sheor can probably be explained away without giving away too much by anyone who knows anything about Elantris, uh, but. <laughs> Well, Karat is here, so we can get one out of three. And uh, Maresh, it's time for you to uh, to be Andon. Good luck. <laughs> Which I don't... I'm excited for that. I don't quite know why that's... Like, are they not even going to try to go get Tan and just say, Hey, could you just... Could you just keep up the, the, the you know gang leader appearance for the next couple minutes they're not even gonna try that i wonder if he lost his mind the other way you where know, he, like he, he lost... now does not consider himself to be andon yeah like he went full opposite it's possible See, my problem is why are we picking like the weird mousy guy to be andon like why are we not picking someone with more like gravitas than maresh <laughs> i feel like maresh has the 
has the drama for it. I think he's going to enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, in on retrospect, you're probably right. Um, I also am keeping in mind that Serene's chapter is next, so we're probably going to get to see fake Andin, which from her perspective will just be Andin, which is going to be exciting. I am willing to spoil this for you because we're wrapping up our section here and you're going to start reading it pretty immediately. Uh, yes, Serene's chapter will pick up basically in this exact place. Cool. So yeah, that is where we wrap up our section for today. We had uh, we we had kind of two bookends of uh, Rayodin trying to figure out how to work with Shaor and not succeeding in that. Uh, we had a Serene chapter that I think we had some objections to some of her her points, uh, but it finished on a good note with a secret passage, at least in my mind. Uh, we had a Hraithan chapter that I think we all really liked. And I think on average, Hraithan, like, Hraithan chapters have missed the least, I think. Um, yes, I, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I've There have been a couple that it just feels like a Hraithan chapter was thrown in just to just to meet the quota. Um, I think I find Rayodin's storyline more interesting, but I like reading about Hraithan the character more. I think that's fair. And then at the, the very end here, we had a our first direct interaction between Rayodin and either of our other two main characters. Instead of seeing them from 400 yards. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. D not, uh, not quite. So let me think, because uh, we really have slowed down on the, the casting department. And... I have to imagine that, uh, Sam, given the fact that you were uh, somewhat constrained today. A little constrained, yeah, <laughs> uh, no casting you, for me. Yeah, you may be delaying the, the casting. But, yeah, who did we... Uh, Caleb, you got Theron. a Miala the Maid? I was going to say, I've we got, I've got four new ones, guys. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's, uh, let's see who we added. Yeah, most of this casting is done, but one of them I did put thought into, I promise. <laughs> um so One yeah for me all the maid yeah uh i do have uh kai discala i was re-watching clips of the robert downey jr sherlock holmes movie because that movie's kind of fun it's pretty entertaining i actually really like that movie it's quite fun, a bit yeah and there's a maid in that movie <laughs> in the she's in the movie for like 20 whole seconds and she's played by someone named kai discala so she's gonna get the chance to do it again be a maid for 20 seconds Hell yeah. Um, then I have Thered, or The Red. Um, he's described as having squarish features and a square jaw. And did I just Google actors with square jaws? There's no way to know. Um, but I did settle on Ian Somerhalder, who is the main character of the... One of the main characters in The Vampire Diaries, a show I know almost nothing about. Um, however... Because I don't care about the Vampire Diaries, I just decided to just go all in on that today. Because I also have Dion, who is briefly mentioned as another sentry working for Rayodin, has no physical description, but he has a name and a line of dialogue, which means I have to cast him. So I'm just going to cast him as Paul Wesley, another main character from the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> okay. 
I just, I want people to see this movie and go, what the fuck? Was that the Vampire Diaries guy? Wait, what the fuck? Is that the other Vampire Diaries guy? <laughs> they're not in the same scene. They're just both in the movie, like two minutes apart from each other. And they're never going to show up again. I just think that would be funny. <laughs> um, the casting I did put actual thought into is Shayor. Um, because we have kind of a Veruca Salt character here. And it's tough to cast someone and be like, I think they'd play a really good brat. That feels like rough to say. We've also typically um, dodged on casting, especially young kids, because that's kind of hard to do. Yeah, I'm picturing her. I don't know if we get an exact age. I'm still picturing her as being like maybe maybe tweens, pushing tweens. Okay. Um, which is around the place where I I either want it to be a no name or I will I will start thinking about putting a casting in there. Um, I assume she's going to be a fairly important character, um, whereas. Keen's kids, I don't know if they're going to actually have a, an important impact on the plot, so they can be... I don't need to cast them. Um, but for Shayor, I specifically cast someone who I know is good at playing someone who is not a brat and is actually a very lovely uh, character. Um, so I casted Elodie Blomfield, who plays Roy Kent's niece in Ted Lasso. Um, she's, she's wonderful. She's a bundle of joy in Ted Lasso. She's great. And... I'm just here. I just want to see her as Shayor too. I, I just said she's a good actress. Let's give her this. And then you can do the like. There, there's a couple of uh, um, younger actors and actresses in particular who have gotten kind of inadvertently typecast very early on. So you can you can do this as like you know here she is playing a just a a, a nice person, and now she, here she is acting yes acting as just this awful brat and so people can kind of let that go right i feel like it's probably well it's probably you mentioned being typecast but it's probably good that her first big role is playing a good person right because you look at jack leeson who played joffrey and he famously has been like very frustrated with how everyone kind of assumes he's a dick and he's actually a super nice person in real life um but he got typecast because he played Joffrey and he did such a damn good job. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think typecasting is bad in general if the actor doesn't want it. But it's probably better to be typecast as a good person and then get a role where you play a brat than the other way around. Right. Yeah. Hard to kind of break out of that, I imagine. Technically speaking, he did play... I believe Commissioner Gordon's son in Batman Begins, and he's the little kid that Batman throws his weird bat device to, and the kid's like, whoa, it's Batman. Uh, but he was famous for Joffrey. Right. <laughs> Me, I'm just freaked out at Ian Summerholder's eyes. Yeah, it's a little, yeah. He's, 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 he's got a pretty intense look. And also, just at the dichotomy of, like, there are images on his Google images of him looking very clean-shaven, clean-cut, and cut cleaned up and there's one where it just looks like he's like a homeless guy (laughs) where he's just put no effort into like shaving or making his hair look good on like a what was clearly a red carpet shot which is weird like yeah no that just looks like like my buddy joe or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and then and then just kitty corner to that is like him looking like a, a like a razor sharp fucking supermodel strange 
All right. Yeah, I think we can. I think we can call it a uh, a thing to celebrate when we only add four people, and even one of those <laughs> barely got mentioned, and Caleb just wanted to cast them because. I would say two of them. I feel like Miala is is very much one and done. I probably did not need to cast her either. <laughs> All right. Uh, but what we do have uh, is looking forward in the book, uh, and I don't. I know I've mentioned the the counts of episodes per parts earlier, but I don't think I've said it specifically. Uh, our next episode is finishing part one. So with these weird lopsided parts, uh, I'm not sure what that tells you about are we going to to drive up to something at the end of our next episode or if we are just setting things up looking further ahead. Uh, but yeah, we've got uh, one more... Uh, episode in the part and then a couple more episodes after that for parts two and three and i'm curious to hear uh sam and caleb what you think might be coming next all right guys i, I still don't know what the plot of this book is guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a little free wheelie um anyway here's here's my subtitle for this prediction section um it's called the Predictions DTE Sucks Edition, a.k.a. the short, short version. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, what is the short, short version from? I'm blanking on Spaceballs. that. Spaceballs. Okay, yes. Spaceballs, yeah. I, I got it right as you said it. Woo! Take a drink, everybody. It's a Spaceballs yeah, reference. Yeah, I will take a drink. Actually, take a drink. Yeah, hydrate yeah. people at home. Mm -hmm. we, we did that again. We're doing the hydrate break. Hell yeah. All right, so here's a short, short version. Um, I think that uh, I'm still going. Potion of Become a Lantrian. Hraithen's going to give Diloph the potion to get swapped. Or, here's my little twist, my little thing that maybe might be interesting because Omen brought it up. Maybe he's going to drink one of them and become an. I mean, he's going to drink one of them. He's going to become an Elantrian. It's happening. It's his kind of muppence. It's grand comeuppance. I've been waiting for it. Um, I think he's going to try and prove his faith and be like, yeah, well, you think I hate Elantrians. Well, now I am one. I don't know. I think that'd be fun. Um, so I'm still I'm still on Hraith and Become It. So there. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if evidence is mounting that it's not that or if evidence is not mounting. It's <clears throat> Anyway, <clears throat> so there's one thing, one random rambly thing. I'm sorry. Uh, here's another one. Um, I think that the secret passage person is Karata. Uh, I think she's going to see her kid every night. Um, I don't think it's Iodon, because I think that'd be dumb and weird. Um, but it could be, I guess. I think Ryoden mentioned that, like, Iodon had it put in but never used it. So I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, I, for, if it were him doing it. At 11 o'clock. He doesn't seem like the kind for subterfuge either. He seems the kind for superfuge. <laughs> I like that. That's subter subterfuge is abstract thought, which he's incapable of. <laughs> That's right. No abstract thought. Um, I think that uh, if anyone's going to save Shaor, I think it will be Karata. She's the one to do it. She's the only one who's shown an affinity for children, whether Elantrian or not, in this entire book. So... <laughs> Everyone else has been like, ah, the kids. I don't like the kids. These kids. 
I was going to be like, Keaton cares about his kids, and I was like, no, he does complain that they're really annoying a lot. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> they're Lily and Todney. Of course they're annoying. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Serene's Whole Jams, which I have written in my note as Serene's Whole Jams, is going to go really poorly. Uh, which is probably obvious. Uh, Rayodin's folks are going to get discouraged or rather disorganized from the food distraction. Um, I think Shayor's men are going to attack the nobles. And I think, ooh, here's a little payoff, maybe. Serene is going to have to defend them. Um, and maybe find it piss easy. Who knows? I mean, they're Elantrians. They don't have great muscles. Um, here's an interesting twist that maybe will happen. Rayodin will help and let me get more granular here. Uh, this is as granular as I get here. I'm not talking in abstract. Eondel is going to recognize Rayodin by his fighting style. Hmm. And then he'll be like, oh my god, it's Rayodin. Rayodin will be like, "That's no, I'm spirit. <laughs> Can't believe you've listened to the audiobook and know the exact line delivery. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> hey, Lois. God. Uh, and then I end my notes by saying, "Fuck you, DTE. Fuck you, Jerry Norcia." Um, we don't have a ban list for this podcast. If you like listening to us, God bless you. But you know what? I'm making it, Jerry Norcia. If you're a listener, stop. You're not allowed. <laughs> and if you're a relative of his, you're not allowed until you put a fish in his vents. Okay. Or, like, egg his car or something. And email us photographic evidence. Oh, God. I wanted to go second. I wanted to go second so that that Justin could plug the uh, the socials with, like, hey, make sure to send a video of you egging Jerry Norcia's car. But I don't want us to get in trouble. For the record, if that's your name and you're the head of an energy company, that applies to you. If you're just a random guy who also has that name, you can <laughs> who keep listening. happens that's to okay. be named Jerry yes. Norcia. <laughs> if you're Jerry Norcia welder from Toledo, you're fine to listen. You're fine. We're cool. <laughs> we're cool, Jerry. If you're Jerry Norcia, CEO of DTE, we're not. It'd be fucking hilarious if Jerry Norcia actually listens. He's like, oh, dang it. <laughs> no, I can't. Oh, I have an IP band from Podbean. (laughs) You know, I think this is the first time that Sam's prediction segment has gone this far afield. (laughs) Yeah, usually I'm pretty focused. Oh, anyway. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we uh, we have a couple of things here. Uh, I did not put fuck you DTE into the the predictions, though I will put it in. What part would this go in? It would be interesting if they would get fucked. So <laughs> it would be interesting. Probably <laughs> won't happen. <laughs> God, seriously, yeah. Okay, you know their their last rate increase request? They asked for twice as much as they needed. That was cool. Thanks DTE. Love it. Just love yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Uh, slightly less disrupted by power outages. Uh, Caleb, what do uh, you knock think? Knocking on wood. Knocking on wood. Knocking on wood right now. Okay. All right. 
Um, yeah, before I actually get started, I just wanted to take a second to just say, like, Sam, in the middle of that, you kind of apologized for rambling. And I just want to say it takes a really uh, respectable, good person to recognize that they're rambling and apologize for it. I think that that says a lot about who you are as a person. Anyways, buckle up. Um, Back so timer. today we have... <laughs> Anyways, buckle up. I actually don't have a ton today, but... Um... Yeah, in terms of, like, the immediate aftermath of what's about to happen, I think Serene's probably going to see Rayodin and see his eyes and be like, his eyes are really familiar, but I don't know why. And she's going to piece together who Rayodin her is herself eventually. It's going to take a very frustrating amount of time for her to figure it out, but she will figure it out herself. It's more in line with the book for Sam's prediction to be correct, that someone else will figure it out for her. But I have faith <laughs> that she might be able to piece it together. Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts as to exactly what's going to happen with this interaction. I don't think this is going to lead direct... Well, it's the end of part one. Nah. I don't think it's going to lead directly into Serene getting stuck in Elantris. I think that will happen sometime in part two. She'll be able to make it out this time around. Um, but eventually she's probably going to head in there, um, for, for long term. Um, I think it's really interesting that in the nightmare sequence, uh, Rayoden, um... Was felt a lot of pain after he was healing. Um, it's a little bit unclear if that's a real part of the memory or if it's just because it's a nightmare. I feel like it's probably the second one, but I also think that might be foreshadowing to um, a theory that I've had before I'm going to put more weight on, which is that the Shayod, not Shayor, which is what I wrote in my notes because those are two separate things, the Shayod um, is uh, linked to Elantria magic. If you've been exposed to the magic in some way, that is what causes you to transform. Um, that does go against a theory that I kind of piggybacked on last time, which is that the potion uh, turns you into an Elantrian, which I still think would be interesting, but but also that feels like it would be if, if anyone had that ability, I feel like it would be a common thing to be like, hey, let's stock up on a bunch of those just in case. And Fortin was like, oh, that's a really complicated one, as if that's not something he does very often. So what I think it is actually going to be is I think it's going to be turn it's going to fake turn you into a Lantrian. It's going to give you the symptoms of being an Elantrian, and that convinces everyone to toss you into a Lantris, but it doesn't actually do the same thing that the Shayad does. Um, I do still think it's likely that Serene will get one and then Hraithen will try to use one on Diloph, but Diloph will turn the, will switch the cups and, and Hraithen will accidentally drink it. And that's what's going to get them both thrown into Elantris. I feel like that could still happen. I'm, I'm going to still going to assume that, but I don't think it will literally turn them into Elantrians. Um, next one, I don't really have a theory, but as weird, you know, it was kind of a comedic tangent, but also... Everyone keeps bringing up Drioc Crushthroat a bunch, and I'm really curious if that's just supposed to be a weird, like, one-off named thing, or if that's supposed to be something that's going to work into, like, the storyline in a more direct manner. Um, I could see this being world-building that maybe Brandon was like, when I eventually, in, in 20 fucking years, write a sequel, um, maybe I'll bring in Drioc Crushthroat. Because um, we're approaching the point of... We can't add too many more threads. We have to start tying them together. So I feel like it would be weird if Driot Crushthroat suddenly becomes a really important character. But they mentioned him, like, 
four or five times over the past couple chapters, which I just clocked as a little bit weird. It seems like he's being set up to be important in some way, but I don't know what. So I'm thinking it might be just kind of how the Coloss were very briefly name-dropped in the first Mistborn book, but we never find out anything about them. Might be something for, for way, way down the line. Because, um, yeah, it seems like Brandon is trying to get us to remember the name, but also I don't see how he could become an important character. So that's my guess. Is it, it might be a sequel thing. Which is another thing where, Justin and Beth, you can't even tell me if I'm wrong, because that could, still could be the case and you don't even know it yet. Um... The, there's something weird happening with the maids. I don't know quite what. They've lost four in the span of a year. I think something's scaring them off. I can't tell if Eodon is doing something that's pressuring them or if there's something else happening. I don't have a lot of guesses for that, but I feel like that is going to be important. I think that's actually not the same thing as the rooms being dirty. Because there's a very, like, it's passed over very quickly, but there's a very weird line where Ash goes, hey, your room hasn't been cleaned. Isn't that weird? And... Maybe it was supposed to be sarcastic, but Serene says, it's not like I left it this dirty. And if that's a sarcastic joke, then this is probably nothing. But if she was telling the truth there, it would be weird for the room to be dirtier than when you left it. So part of me is curious if her room got ransacked, but just in a minor enough way that they didn't even notice. Um, in which case, who's ransacking the room? Um, I think it could be Diloph, who I do still think is the one using the passages. Um, if, if he sees her as a very big, uh, anti-Dorethi threat, uh, Dorethi threat, um, it could be that he is also plotting against her. And maybe that's how she drinks the potion, is Diloph, uh, uh, makes her drink it or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I feel like that might be what's happening there. And then... Rayodin's the main character. I think Rayodin is probably going to be the most instrumental person in bringing Shayor back to sanity, but I do think we will get a karata Shayor mother-daughter dynamic by the end of the book. I think that's going to be an important aspect of what's to come. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. All right. I think the, the most interesting thing for me to track over the last couple of episodes of Predictions is both of you have been kind of iterating back and forth on this potion where I think you both, you both agreed pretty quick that at least the most interesting thing for it to be would be a potion of become a Lantrian, which was the first thing I yes. wrote down. Uh, and then the, the matter of, of who there's two doses of potion. Uh, and I think we've got, three names that have been proposed. We've got Hraithen, we've got Serene, and we've got Diloph. So we'll see uh, if the if there are two hits for our two doses of potion are in there. Uh, and then with the now the added twist of is it in fact potion of fake become a Lantrian? Which is also what I've I've written down there. So yeah. <laughs> It's going to be Thered, guys. He's going to be the one that, that drinks both potions. He's going to be absolutely essential <laughs> to the end game. Just um, downing them both. Yeah, also, like, we don't know 100% what the potion does. If it turns out to just be, like, a very simple sleeping potion, I'm going to be, I'm going to fucking lose it. Because he's ordering <laughs> this thing from the other side of the fucking world, and Fortin's like, ooh, that's going to be very complicated. It's going to take me some time. And if it's something very... If it's any effect that's very mundane and straightforward, I I am going to cast a doubt on the idea of uh, Raithen having to go through all those hoops to get such a thing. 
So it has to be something like, it, I, I, I really hope it's something interesting. And yeah, like you said, Sam and I both agree. I think the most interesting thing would be if it is potion of become either real or fake Elantrian. It's Crystal Pepsi. It could be Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> it could also be I haven't Pepsi. made that in decades, Mr. Raven. <laughs> uh okay uh yeah uh like i mentioned our next episode will be our final part one episode so we'll get to see what is it that brandon decided was the the part break for this book uh, and that is chapters 23 through 27 uh, which is five chapters the most we've done so far though chapter 27 uh, is by quite a margin the shortest of the book thus far. So it is a, a, a sort of part epilogue. Craythan spent even longer on the wall that night. <laughs> it's just him counting how many Merlins there are. Just kidding. There's none. There's none. There are no Merlins. I miss them. But yeah, that will be uh, what we have for our, our next episode. Our episodes are all available at alwaysanotherpodcast.com and by this point in time they are all available with the proper intro and outro music so we're all good there <laughs> uh, any questions feedback further Cosmere things uh, requests for Sam's thesis I did check we have gotten one. Oh my god oh. yeah nice. oh. um, uh, the sad part is uh, the request was from one Jerry Norcia <laughs> uh, Jerry <laughs> Uh, you want to steal my thoughts <laughs> first my power now my words my my thoughts that I very specifically wrote down in a format that are provided to other people as part of an academic process <laughs> oh, and then offered to distribute it more widely yes uh, all of that probably not the Jerry Norcia part uh, you can do by emailing us at contact <laughs> contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com uh I, I was going to make a joke about our social medias and DTE energy, but please don't actually tweet at them or anything else. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, uh, Instagram at alwaysanotherpod, and Mastodon at alwaysanotherpod at kind.social. Yeah, we, uh, we made it. Uh, less <laughs> less jokes about inopportune uh, advertising w during terroristic attacks. Uh, <laughs> more jokes about alleged crimes. <laughs> it's it's going great here on Always Another Podcast. We're improving, I would say. Strictly better. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs>